Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the Lens Podcast today. My name is Brian Hansen. And I'm Brian Solomon. Thanks for joining us today. It's our practice every time we gather for podcast recordings that we roll through three segments. Brian, we uh, roll through a segment called A View of the World, where we kind of survey the landscape of some things that are happening in our culture and world. Uh, And then we move into your place in the world. And we want to think about uh, what God has to say in his word about these issues that we see uh, all around us. And then finally, we talk about... uh, uh, whatever we want to talk about inside a uh, segment called What in the World. But Brian, take us into a view of the world. Yeah, so the view of the world. Here we go. Um, so in, in the view of the world, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the different generations that have come on since the uh, the early 1900s and how they've been classified, but really spend a fair amount of time looking at the generation that we're looking at today. And what prompted this was... Um, I went out uh, to supper with uh, my wife and one of our kids last night, and we we were walking up to the restaurant and uh, pleasantly surprised to see that it was really only half full. And so I walked up to the counter and I uh, I you know raised my three fingers to the gal and saying you know there's three of us and I fully expected her to give us menus and instead the response we got back was there was going to be an hour and a half wait and the restaurant was only half full. And so, you know, we were walking out of there and we, we ended up going to a different restaurant, but uh, we started talking about this. You know, we, um, did the lady say why it was going to be an hour and a half wait? Well, it was a staffing issue. Okay. And, uh, and so, but, but that's not uncommon today. Right. Um, that, that is, that's typical where people, people have, the companies have a lot of jobs. They just don't have the staff to pull it off. Right. And they seem to have customers. I mean, you showed up to eat and, but you're not going to wait an hour and a half to eat. That's right. In a half empty restaurant. Anywhere you go, if you want to get your tires balanced, I mean, it's going to be a long wait because they just don't have the staff to get out there and do it. But, you know, so uh, we started to talk about this last night with my, my family and one of our other kids as well. And I asked them their input on it. And so that's really what started a lot of this uh, thinking. But as we look at this generation, and of course, I was frustrated because, you know, we were going to have to <laughs> wait an hour and a half. But um, th- I-, I asked my my kids, I was like, so what do you think it is about this generation? You know, like, uh, g- give me some insight as to what's going on. And so these were from my children. Okay. okay? So they said that there's really no incentive to work. Hmm. And which, which to me, honestly, it doesn't compute. Like you work because life's expensive, and in order to live, you make money, right? Yeah. But, um, but they said, well, there's there's just really no incentive to work. That was one thing. And then they said, well, just getting by in anything they do seems to be their their mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, just just get by. And uh, and another thing that they mentioned was lack of discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can see that, you know, in a generation as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the the last thing that they 
that they talked about was that the brain never rests. They don't know how to be still. Mm. Um, and of course, a lot of that comes back to the phones and the mm-hmm. computers and the mm-hmm. gamings and stuff like that. But yeah. so that's what really got us thinking about along these lines of let's take a look at this generation as in comparison with other generations. Yeah, talk I think to us about uh, that. I think it's important to identify uh, when we talk about generations and generational mindsets and perspectives, it's important to be as precise as we can. Uh, Brian, you and I, we are pastors, we're missionaries. Um, we work in the in the context of church in different places. But uh, uh, I think it's important to note that we're not sociologists. However, uh, we are with people all the time and we're constantly with with people older and younger than yeah. us. Yeah. And I would say the vast majority of people that would be listening to this podcast would also find themselves either at work, at home, in their families, in their neighborhoods. They're interacting with people from different generational mindsets. Now, uh, here's basically a, a short sketch um yeah, let's look at some of these these different generations. And it's it's going to be important for our, our hearers to understand, hey, this is not uh, a stereotype, although uh, we are going to fit an entire generation into a box. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably not the best thing to do, but I think it's helpful for our discussion. It, it's not fair to each individual, but looking at that that range overall. That's right. Yeah. Okay, okay we're so with you. Let's, uh, let's start with the greatest generation. These were people born from 1901 to 1927. This generation lived through the Great Depression, and then they went off to fight in World War II, and they beat the Germans and and the Japanese in uh, in in just a uh, uh, a very important uh, time in history. Uh, this generation truly was the greatest generation. Um, now they put high premium on raising a family and working hard, and this generation was known for their grit. The next generation is. Let me speak to that real quick. Uh, So an example of that was um, my grandfather told a story of when he was uh, when he was in grade school and then in junior high. And at that time, and and even I had an eighth grade graduation. I don't know if you did. Did you have an eighth grade? I did not. So it it was not as big a deal for me because it was just expected that you were going to go on to high school. Mm -hmm. But it hasn't always been that way. So my grandfather tells the story of when he was graduating from junior high. And he was going to his eighth grade, his eighth grade graduation was coming up. And you have to know a little bit of my, my grandfather's background, but there was, um, uh, his mother had died and then there was his stepmom and she was not kind. And there was a lot mm. of stuff going on there. Uh, but he was, he was just, he was very shy and he didn't want to be there because his parents weren't going to be there and he didn't want to be there and have them read his name out loud And so what he did was he went to his junior high graduation, but he climbed up on the outside of the building on the (laughs) bricks. And, you know, you've seen those old gymnasiums and they have those high windows. Uh And so he's looking in through the window and he heard his name read off. And of course, he was absent, but he heard it and he climbed down. The next day he went down to a, a trucking company and he, you had to have your driver's license. And so, uh, he said, Hey, I, I want a job. And they're like, well, do you have your license? And he's like, yep. Well, of course he didn't. He's, <laughs> he's like, 14. Yep, he's 14. And so they threw as he tells it, they threw him the keys and they said, there's your dump truck. Go, go load up, uh, <laughs> go, you know, whatever, pull around back. They'll load you up and they'll tell you where to go. 
And he did. Oh, he jumped man. in and threw that thing in the first gear, and oh. <clears throat> so he was off. But that's the kind. I mean, that, that's the kind of generation that we're talking about here. And I don't know that we, you know, I'm not saying that everybody should do that. But, the, you know, <laughs> is that generation even around anymore? Are those types of people even around anymore? That, that to me, when I hear the greatest generation, of course, the things that you, you shared with the wars and things. I mean, yeah, I, that goes without saying. But it was this type of mentality. Yeah. I better get to work because life's expensive. That's right. So right after the greatest generation, you have what's called the silent generation. These people were born between 1928, 1945. The silent generation got their name for being um, conformists, and they were essentially silent through the era of McCarthyism, uh, when the fear of communism was sweeping through the country, and there were all sorts of hearings and that sort of thing. Uh, during this era, kids were expected to earn their way through life using a strong work ethic. So the greatest generation had passed that work ethic on to the silent generation. And uh, and then that gave that generation uh, gave way to the baby boom generation. Uh, and these are people born 1946 to 1964. So uh, the baby boomer uh, generation, these were all the people, the kids that were born to those uh, uh, greatest generation folks who came home from World War II and they had a bunch of babies and... Uh, yep. that, that's where that generation. So now Gen Zers and millennials, they think of uh, baby boomers as basically their out of touch grandparents. You might hear that phrase that uh, those young whippersnappers say <laughs> disrespectfully all the time and say, okay, boomer in a dismissive way to say you're out of touch. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but the reality is, is that this baby boom generation, uh, boy, they were wild. And they were the fathers of the sexual revolution, civil rights movement, all that crazy stuff. Hippies. Hippies in the 1960s. Um, and so the baby boomers, they actually did a lot to really reframe uh, American culture in its trajectory. Uh, boomer parents notably redefined parenting as being the first generation to look at their kids' perspective of growing up. Um that they they abandoned the parental strategy or philosophy of you're going to do this because I said I so. I said so. And that's just how it works. Why, mom? Because I said so. That's right. Now, uh, Brian, you and I were born during the Generation X. Now, yeah. kind of on bookends, almost bookends apart. Uh, you were born in 1965. Oh, I'm older than you. You're older than okay. me. So okay. you were born right at the front yeah. end of Gen X. And yeah. I was born kind of smack dab in the middle towards the end in 1975. Uh, this generation, Gen Xers, they're, they're dismissed as the slacker generation. Um, although uh, Gen X, one of the... Uh, the things, the gifts that uh, Gen Xers gave to the world were the X Games. Uh, we were the the generation of the BMX bikes and the snowboards and the crazy Gen X or the X Games stuff. Yeah. Um, now, we were uh, unfortunately uh, responsible somewhat, um, or excuse me, our, our parents were uh, somewhat uh, uh, responsible for coining the term of of helicopter parenting styles. Um, we had parents uh, who were a little bit more involved with us and uh, tend to hover just a little bit more. And that's just how it was. But after Gen Xers, you have the millennials. And millennials were born 1981 to 1996. I actually married a millennial. 
Naomi is born in 81. Um, although she acts more like a Gen Xer than a, a millennial. Millennials live through 9-11. They remember when Amazon was was only a uh, a bookstore uh, and not uh, a wholesale web <laughs> uh, shopping mall. Uh, boomers uh, accuse millennials of being self-centered and entitled due to their excessive use of technology. Um, this millennial generation has proven to, to actually be incredibly community-oriented and environmentally con- conscious, uh, which are really traits that are being picked up by their kids in this uh, Gen Z uh, generation. Uh, they coined the term free range parenting. So they reacted against the helicopter model of parenting. And now they're really a hands off. Hey, um, in, in helicopter my- parenting, I mean, we we know what that is. That's where the parents are involved in every single thing. Of, absolutely. Oh, covering all the time. I go to the teacher and I say, well, Jimmy said something about my Susie. And so, I mean, we try to be involved in every mm-hmm. facet of their lives, right? Yep. Yep. So, so Gen Zers, um, they, uh, they were born 97 to 2010. So, uh, while they're still young, uh, and, and not necessarily old enough to, to make their mark as a generation, they're making their mark already. And, uh, uh, now Gen Zers are the first to be born in a world where they know nothing else besides being constantly connected to one another albeit through phones, screens, tablets, uh, they only know social media and social connectivity. Uh, this is a, a new generation. Now, now there's even a, a newer generation that we know less of. This is the alpha generation born after 2010. And uh, there's really not a whole lot uh, of study to really see what this generation is going to do. But for our intents and purposes, Brian, we're going to kind of rag on uh, millennials and Gen Zers. David, what generation are you, man? So I was born in 94. Okay. So I, so tail end of millennial, but I think I've leaned more towards millennial than than Gen Z. Gen Z, yeah. Okay. So uh, we're going to put you on the spot here, man. Uh, What are some of the, uh, the things about your generation uh, that get, um, kind of get a bad rap. Like it's, it's undeserved. So we, we uh, boomers and Gen Xers, we talk about, uh, Gen Zers, millennials, like, man, they're lazy. They're self-centered. You can't get them to do anything. They don't show up for work. I mean, Brian's in his family's got to wait th- an hour, and, hour a half and a half to even sit down for a meal. Uh, how do you describe your generation? I, I, so I see those, um, those stereotypes and I think, they're stereotype for a reason, but mm-hmm. I think when it's like, oh, when you just generalize a whole generation as a whole and like, oh, I'm not even going to give this person a chance because they're that way. Yeah. I think, so it's not necessarily a specific thing that's like, oh, we get a bad rap for this. I think it's those generalizations that like mm-hmm. hurt people. I think we as millennials tend to feel that like, but we have that some of us have that hard work ethic or yeah. a community oriented mind or hate technology or whatever it may be. But then it's like when, so when other people put that on us, it's like, Oh, I feel mm-hmm. that way, yeah. man, we're stuck here kind of thing. <laughs> and so I think, but David, yeah. you guys, you and Katie, uh, you guys don't kind of, they don't, you don't fit that stereotypical mold, uh, and how you do life. I mean, uh, if someone were to drive to your place, I mean, you've built this, uh, 
this monstrosity of a of a chicken coop that is a pretty amazing. Yeah. You've planted a vineyard. You're growing stuff in the garden. Dude, you're kind of a throwback to another time and another yeah. generation. Someone at church just said, um, was talking to Katie, my wife, and said like, they married or like Katie married pretty young, but like, but well, you're married to David. He's like 50 years old. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I am turning 29 this year, but like I do have like that kind of like that. Mindset. But that was meant as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Hey Brian, let's, uh, let's kind of shift that. That was kind of a view of the world. Let's go into your place in the world. So let's do that. And the, the question is, okay, well, if this is what's going on, this is this is the model that's taking place in our in our world today. The the your place in the world is, well, what lens do we put that through? We put it through the lens of scripture. And so how do we view these things? And especially this uh this generation that really is getting a bad rap. Yeah. Well, there well- Go Let ahead. me interject here. We've we've heard this from other pastor colleagues. They're Absolutely. like, "Hey, we're hiring these these young guys that are coming in, youth pastors or worship leaders. These millennials and Gen Z. I don't know how to lead these guys. I mean, yeah. they, they show up late, blah blah blah, and they have to take their shoes off so that they can be comfortable. <laughs> Instead of having chairs in their offices, they have bean bags in their offices, right, and they right. but but they do have really good coffee, right? And uh, so yeah, so there, there there's all this all this. Um, banter going back and forth about this generation. So what what do we do with them? Do we just write them off? And they're like, oh, this is just a worthless generation. Yep. That's the end of our show. Just yeah. write them off. And that's, that's it. <laughs> so <laughs> There's no hope for them. So I, the, the question is, and it's a legitimate <laughs> question. So what do we do with them? Yeah. Like, how do we handle them through a biblical perspective? What is our mandate and, and um, how to handle these? So the, the, the question is this. How should Christians think about these generational differences, specifically this latest generation, the one that seems to be apathetic, lazy, whatever the case may be? Um, What do we do with them? How do we handle them? Through the lens of Scripture, what do we do with these things? And uh, one of the things that you had talked about earlier is view them through um, the, the one another principles. Yeah, so the New Testament is chocked full of uh, what we call the one another's. Uh, the Bible, like in, in Mark 9, 50, it says uh, Jesus says, be at peace with each other, with one another. Uh, in John 13, 14, wash one another's feet. Uh, Jesus uh, in John 13 says, love one another. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Uh, Romans 12, 10, uh, honor one another above yourselves, love one another, uh, instruct one another, greet one another, um, have equal concern for one another. Uh, over 50 of these one another statements show up in, in the New Testament. And so when we think about generational differences, these one another principles don't go away just because you're frustrated with a younger generation. Just yeah. because there's there's maybe qualities or things that are annoying, well, doggone it, we we face annoying people all the time. Uh, I uh, a friend of mine is a plumber, and I tell him all the time. I said, you know, pastoral ministry and plumbing are a lot alike. I said we're both dealing with people's crap, and so when you're <laughs> when you're dealing with generational differences, those things can really be annoying and frustrating. And it's like, man, I just don't understand why they don't get it. Why aren't they seeing things? From my point of view, well, that's where the rub is, Brian. Uh, The reality is, is that we ourselves in a generation before them 
Uh, we ourselves have to model this whole mentality of not just looking at the world through our lens, but through the lens of the Bible, which transcends generational thought and thinking and acting and living. And so these one another's uh, create a really a, a pathway or playbook for how to interact with one another. Yeah. So <clears throat> th th this generation, let's take a look at what they're, what they've gone through. And I hate to use this word because it just makes people shrivel up. But they, this is the generation that for the last three and a half years, they've gone through the COVID generation yeah. and they've, they're the ones that have been at home. They're the ones that have just been in their bedrooms, on the computers, watching class, you know, hopefully doing class. Some of them have, some of them haven't. Yeah. And so they, they're, they're, person to person interaction has really suffered because of that. And so then they come back and they, by the way, they've never been corrected uh, <laughs> by right. other than maybe their parents right. for the last three, three and a half years. And so now they come back and somebody corrects them. Well, their world collapses. Right. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I've lost my voice here, but so, so the, you, you, you can look at this one of two ways. You can be just so frustrated with them and say, oh, you're done. I'm, I'm finished with these. Or you can look at them and say, there's a lot of mentoring that needs to happen here. There's a lot of mm. discipleship that needs to happen here. And I probably need to um, change my style of, I hate to say this, but maybe I need to change my style of delivery or how I communicate to them. Mm. So in in, instead of just being like, why don't you get it? I mean, aren't you a human? Don't I, you right. know, you got to grow up. Yeah, they are human. Yeah, they do get it. Mm. But uh, because of, because of what they've come through, uh, maybe we are a little, you know, we, we're gracious. We're a little more <laughs> tempered. We can say, well, the reason why we do this is because this yeah. and start to start to build the conversations that way. Just, I mean, uh, without, without just hammering on them and ridiculing them, uh, at least coming alongside and saying, this is an expectation yeah. of how grownups live. Yeah. I'm going to help you to get there, yeah. right? And and then you probably have something to say, but just let me jump on this and and say this. I don't care who you are in the world. The gospel is relevant for you. Mm. And and so no matter no matter what your background, um no matter what your viewpoint coming into the world, uh we as Christians, adult adult Christians who are who are mature in Christ, we always have to find the way to reach the next generation or the person or, you know, our neighbor or the, the, the person that we're working across from. And so as we see this, gen, this generation and who they are and how they act and, and, uh, and, and their mindset, it's a new mission field in so many ways, you know? And, uh, and so that's why we, we, um, we, we come around them and, and want to know who they are and how they think so that we can most effectively, um, interact with them and come alongside them to have gospel conversations with them. Right. That's exactly right. And, and Brian, just to piggyback up on that Psalm 78 is really instructive here. Uh, the psalmist says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and have known that our fathers have told us. So we are beneficiaries of the things that our fathers and grandfathers have instructed us about. 
verse four, it says, we will not hide them from their children, uh, but tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might in the wonders that he has done. It's so important for us to realize that just because uh, the next generation isn't seeing things from our point of view or values things that we wouldn't necessarily value, uh, that doesn't mean that they are not created in the image of God and they are somehow less worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's it's incumbent on us who were born in a previous generation to, like you said, Brian, to, to extend a great commission to them, to point them towards the Savior, and to help them understand that the Bible is not antiquated. It has all of the answers for the problems of life. This generation desperately needs to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I would also say that in, in some of our uh, pre-episode research, we, we did a little bit of reading, and and one, one commentator, social commentator, noted that uh, Gen Zers, millennials, they hate inauthenticity inauthenticity. They hate duplicity. Well, doggone it. So did James. James says, uh, hey, a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his all ways. ways. Can't stand hypocrisy. And so one uh, of the ways it tax approaches that, uh, that we can employ in a previous generation reaching this younger generations for Christ is to uh, examine ourselves are there any glaring uh, areas of hypocrisy that exist in our own lives? We, we've got to be mindful of that. We've got to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? We preach a message that we don't live very well, and we've got to model uh, the kind of humility that flows out of the gospel of Jesus. Now, Brian, there's a lot more that we could say about these generational differences, how the church needs to uh, view this. But I think just to recap, kind of looking to the one another's, being mindful of the of the Great Commission uh, in Matthew 28, those are great places for us to start to kind of and find our way through. If I may, I just wanted to jump in. Yeah. Quick thought, because you just made me think about this. Um, but I think about Jesus who looked at people who had stereotypes. Mm. So let's say a tax collector. Mm-hmm. If he looked at him the same way everybody else would, then not going to touch them. <laughs> but he did. Because like, if he did the story of Zacchaeus would look very different. Right. right. But he went against that and looked at him as a unique individual mm-hmm. in need of the knowledge of who Jesus really yeah. was, the Messiah, the one who was prophesied and the one who was extending this kingdom. So, so this topic is really, um, we, we could go on for an hour talking more about this and maybe we should, maybe we should circle back around and ask how the church is engaging them yeah. effectively. And so maybe that's a good topic for another day. That'd be good. But listen, we have just a uh, short time left. So what do you say we go into our last segment? And that is what, in the world. All right, Brian. So what in the world? Uh, thinking about the weekend that we had, our neighborhood was turned upside down by an annual neighborhood-wide garage sale. And this has morphed into a huge <laughs> thing in our neck of the woods. Uh, a couple food trucks show up, and uh, uh, there's another pastor um, and another church uh, in town who... Uh, basically gave his yard over to other people in his church who wanted to bring things over to sell. They had like four or five canopy tents out in the front yard. The whole neighborhood was jam-packed full of sell. And I got to tell you, uh, we did sell some things. 
and it feels really good to empty some things out of your your garage. <laughs> so uh, if you're debating on whether or not to have a garage sale, my coaching is just bite the bullet, pull the stuff out, put a for sale sign on there, and uh, and, and do it. It's uh, it's good for your soul. And yeah. Good to get around in your garage again. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we, we didn't, uh, do a whole lot, uh, this, this weekend. I was, I was sick toward the latter part of the week. And, uh, but we, uh, some, some things that stood, stood out to me was, uh, the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan <laughs> at heart, but I do, I mean, they're, uh, the Reds are in the area, so they were on a 12 game win streak. Yep. And, uh, so they did lose the other night, but, um, uh, it's been kind of fun to see the, uh, the hometown mm-hmm. boys yep. doing well. And then, uh, you know, I, I am a political junkie and, yeah. uh, I've been finding it interesting on what's going on on both sides of the aisle with the Republicans and their race and what's going on with the, the candidates. And yeah, thinking even, about the presidential election. <clears throat> Election that is still far away, but uh, the primaries are beginning to kind of shape up a little bit. Already making noise. So on the left side of the aisle, yeah. uh, Brian, who's kind of catching your attention? Well, it's interesting because uh, they're not getting much news coverage. But I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, RFK Jr. He is he is really making a lot of noise out yeah. there, and he's getting a, a Joe Rogan. I, I I watched a little bit of that podcast. Oh my goodness, this guy, he's sharp, he's articulate, mm. um, he really has some out-of-the-box uh, thinking, especially on the uh, uh, the Democratic side. But uh, we'll see if he gets much coverage. And if he gets more coverage, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the right side of the political aisle, uh, thinking about the Republican <clears throat> candidates yeah. who have announced that they're going to be running uh, in, in the primaries, who's jumping out to you? Well, you would think that uh, Trump would have had some setbacks with his uh, with his litigation issues and things, <laughs> but the more isn't it interesting that the more that they that they uh, bring against him and and uh, they they charge him, it only bumps his poll numbers. I tell you. Yeah. So, yeah. and uh, DeSantis, I mean, there he's he's the closest contender, but uh, he he seems to be stumbling, coming out of the blocks a little bit, and I I don't know, I don't know, but we're only in June of a, right. you know more than a year away, That's so right. That's we'll right. see how it shakes. Yeah. So Trump, DeSantis, Pence seem yeah. to be the three front runners, and then you've got uh, some other candidates, uh, Chris Christie and uh, <clears throat> Haley. Um, um, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Tim Scott is one yeah. that, uh, that I personally like and yeah. would like to hear more from, but he's not getting any coverage. Well, right now, you know, but. and this is the way it always goes. You have some really good people who yeah. are really nice people, mm-hmm. but, uh, nice doesn't always win the day. And, sure. uh, and g- being a good person doesn't always win the day. Yeah. So we'll just have to see how it unfolds. And I, I have a sneaking suspicion. We're going to circle back and talk more about pol- politics. Undoubtedly. undoubtedly hey we are really glad that you've decided to join us here today for the lens podcast and we look forward to talking to you next time